welcome to Ask Uni, the show where we deep dive into the wonderful world of K-pop. I'm Metz, a K-pop stan in training, and I am here with my BFF Iman, a true K-pop stan. Yep, and every week I assign homework to my stand in training. We cover everything from the best bands, TV shows, drama, and beyond. Be sure you guys follow along every week at askuni.com, where we'll include everything that we discuss available in the K-hole. So go check it out and follow along. Today we're going to focus on entertainment companies. That was this week's homework. So entertainment companies are major machines in the music industry. So they're record labels, talent agencies, music production companies, event management, concert production, music publishing. I mean, seriously, what do they not do? So I'm wondering, why did you choose entertainment companies for this lesson? And why do you think they are an important part of the K-pop discussion? I figured we needed to start from the top. So in order for me to educate you and take you on this K-pop journey, figure start where all the money is. Start with the the guys that are in charge. And so what's really cool with entertainment companies and what makes them very interesting is unlike record labels, say, in the West, these guys, like you said, do everything. And essentially anybody that is in entertainment or on TV is under them. So that includes idols, actors, dancers, models, comedians, et cetera. Like if you're a TV personality, you have an agent or management team and they're usually attached to an entertainment company. And what this does is that everything you do essentially ends up being controlled. So you end up having this like squad that just backs you up everywhere you go. So it's like universal, but like on roids, basically in a nutshell. So how many of these entertainment companies are out there and why did you choose the ones that we're going to deep dive in today? Okay, so there are like so many labels. That, like, honestly, over 100, I'm sure, because there's so many like little bitty ones. But I figured we could start with the top three, the big three, as they're known. And yeah, essentially the big three because they're running the show. So we'll start with them. Fab. So I know we have the business sides, we have the groups and the entertainers that are in each company. And of course, there are scandals. So there's so much to cover. Let's get into it. The first entertainment company we're going to talk about today is SM Entertainment, which was founded in 1995 by Lee Man. So I'm wondering why is it important to start with this one? SM Entertainment essentially is one of the biggest, I think it is the biggest of the big three. It develops some incredible bands with incredible fandoms, and they are incredibly mainstream. So they always churn out good music, classic hits, those top 40s. They never seem to do any wrong in that sense. So they're almost like I'm going to be using a lot of like high school references when I come <laughs> and start describing these entertainment companies. So SM, it's like the really cool jock who's like smart also. So everyone loves him because of that. You know what I mean? It's like the jocks and cheerleaders, but they're like nice. And they all have this great table. And like there's one guy that's singing and, you know, but you can't hate on him when he's singing Wonderwall. It's like that pretty much. And it sounds like this is one of the very first entertainment companies that came about, are they, I guess, mainstream as well as the pioneers? Uh, they're definitely pioneers because I think it was Isuman basically went to school in the States, came back to Korea and was like, I don't want to necessarily be an entertainer, but I do want to make a lot, a lot of money. And so he started this whole thing and then actually developed the first 
ever aisle group, which is HOT. And I completely forgot what the acronym stands for, but it stands for something. They were the first ever boy group. And I did check out some of their early work. And I'm not going to lie. I had no idea that hip hop was infiltrating just when, like, basically in the beginning, like in the in the 90s, I watched this. It was very, like, Cypress Hill. I'm not going to lie. It was pure Cypress Hill, California vibes. And I was really surprised because they seemed really quite hardcore, especially if you were thinking about what that music was doing in the States. It was very kind of hardcore. It was parental advisory. And then you see HOT, and they're the first idol group ever doing this stuff. It was really interesting to know that they were breaking into the mainstream with that kind of music. And that's what was crazy. Like HOT broke into the mainstream, but if we go, we'll, we'll eventually touch on them, but there was a band that came before them that actually kicked off the whole urban vibe. And I'm assuming this came about because the American army bases that were in Seoul at the time. And so you'd have these guys who are predominantly dancers before they became singers who'd go to the clubs and they have these dance competitions. And so from there, they took the best dancers and started making these bands with them. So it sort of all started foundationally, I think, with a more hip hop thing, because that came from the American troops. And that was sort of imported into the country in that sense. That is so interesting. And you know, I love a bit of music history. That has just unlocked a lot of questions that I was having, especially as we go through more of these entertainment companies and seeing the founders and the type of groups that they were involved in, the, the army bases, that makes so much sense. And thank you for like teaching me a little bit more so I can be a more well-rounded music historian. You're welcome. So let's chat some of the music I sent you for homework. Yeah, the homework was really good. I know that you mentioned that they are the most mainstream and the biggest. And they also are really into like hip hop as well, which is so interesting. I looked at SES, which was a girl band. And you mentioned that they kind of came up at the same time. It's like their lady counterpart. So at this point, Lee Suman is like testing the waters and he wants to see what kind of music people are going to react to. So he's just kind of bringing all these singers together and dancers and kind of just like Lego pieces, kind of like clipping people together, clipping them back out. So there's HOT, there was SES that was really huge in the 90s, which is a girl group. Then we go into TVXQ, um, and they were massive, and they got actually really, really popular in Japan. So I guess he started to notice now that things were starting to grow across Asia. You know, then there was FX, Red Velvet, you know, and obviously there's other bands we've spoken about, which is like Super Junior, Girls' Generation, Shiny, EXO, NCT, and of course, ESPA the latest. So I can see that they've definitely had a really huge history and some of these artists that they're still super hot right now. I remember going through all of these videos. It was so interesting to see like the piece of the time they were doing it. I remember thinking that the FX was very like naughties. They were kind of like if the pussycat dolls were covered up, they kind of reminded me of that because they had like that style of that time, but they were definitely a little bit more PG, like G rated, uh, but they were like, had a lot of fun. And I think also Red Velvet had super fun videos, like very conceptual. So you could see that there's a lot of, well, there's a lot of money in production going into it, um, but also it's, it's a lot of fun. Exactly. And what was really cool with these groups is like, if you look at Super Junior, even Super Junior, they weren't meant to be a band. There was like 13 of them, I believe. They were essentially trained to 
take on different roles in the entertainment industry. So you had guys who were meant to be dancers or people who were trained strictly for variety shows and to be on television. And so what worked with them is that they just happened to click and get on really well. And so they threw them in a booth to see what would happen. And so they became a band and that's how these things would work. So Lisa would essentially have an, like his go with his gut instinct and be like, throw these kids together. They'll work. Girls generation, another slam dunk for him. Shiny, you can tell this was very vocally led, but you've got someone like Mino, who was just an athlete, looked good, so he was thrown in. EXO, they're all hot, bless them, they're my favorites. And then obviously, they get more technical with bands like NCT and A-Spice. So you've got NCT, there's 23 members and NCT alone, because they have the China division, and then they've got the university, and then 127, and then ASPA, which has their digital counterparts. So Lee Suman and SM in general, I think they're the more, most innovative as well when it comes to tech and trying out new things. And I think that's also what makes him really cool. Because it's his business, I don't think he's afraid to try new things. He's still there, by the way. He's still sat at that desk, a bajillionaire. Well, I was actually, while doing the homework you gave me, I did some extra points homework, extracurricular stuff. And I, I'm into the music industry. I'm into brands, marketing, and business anyway. That's just my other secret interest. So I actually looked up their revenue and their income. And there's a lot of money, obviously, $550 million in 2019 is what they brought in. And then they netted out 44 million, which is still not too shabby. But it also shows that they have so many outgoings, they're spending 400, actually, they're spending $500 million a year on basically managing paying stars, like pulling together all of these productions. So I'm wondering, are there a lot of contract disputes? Are they paying their artists fairly? So from what I gleaned from my quick reads and what I noticed from the group chats and that sort of thing on group chats, it's not like I sit with a bunch of case stands and we chat. But anyway, what I noticed was that SM tends to have a lot of dissatisfied members and then they end up leaving. That happened with EXO, that happened with TVXQ, that happened with FX. Um, a lot of it is I felt like the, the members weren't being treated fairly. And it isn't like a, it's not something out of malice I noticed. It's just kind of like, you know what, we don't feel great here. We don't feel like we're being taken care of and we're going to exit. So yeah, they have a lot of contractual disputes in general and issues. When an artist decides they want to leave, they're not happy with the management. Is it kind of an open market? Do they jump from one to the other? I think they want to. I mean, I'm sure they've got their eyes set on different agencies. I think SM is also notorious for having like 10 year long contracts. So even like you literally are owned by the company. I think this is actually across all entertainment companies. You're literally owned, like they own you for as long as a contract states, unless you have the money to bail yourself out. It does remind me of old Hollywood when you basically sold your soul to the Hollywood studio and they owned everything about you. They owned your image. They, they told you what movies you're in. They would, you'd be on their payroll, but they didn't have to give you, if they were mad at you and you didn't play by the rules, they didn't have to put you in any movies. They could basically hold you and your career hostage because you signed the contract and they own you. Yeah. So this is exactly it. And I mean, there's varying degrees of like the severity and how intense they are, but that is exactly it. Down to your 
outfits, and we'll speak about this probably in our next podcast, but, you know, literally your entire image is controlled, you know, from the shampoo that you use. They take your cell phones away from you when you're a trainee, for example, so you don't have contact with the outside world. So you have to do everything through your management team. So it can get quite hectic. And if you think about these are young kids that are coming, you know, leaving their houses, especially when you think of the foreign talent, So SM does have a lot of like Chinese and Japanese and Thai recruits coming in at like 14, 15 years old and they can't speak to their moms. I think it's better now, but back in the day, there was like absolutely phones taken away from you. No, like, no, you weren't allowed on social media, nothing. I know that the founder of this entertainment company, he was also in the music industry. Was he just, you you think, obviously this is speculation, but do you think that it was just continuing on a continuing legacy? Because- they didn't really exist like this before. So did he make up the rules to be that strict? I think he made up the rules, but I think also the Korean industry, like entertainment industry as a whole, that's all about taking care of your image and portraying yourself at your very best. So that's almost easier when you have people managing that for you. It's like having your publicist on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It just like minimizes anything going sideways. And so by taking your phone, it's one less thing for them to worry about. And these are tons of kids running around and these bands are really, really huge. So, and like with the fan cams and like, there's always people watch, there's that thing too, this scrutiny. There's always somebody watching them and judging them, which is why there's so much talk about gossip sites and so much hate mail and hate comments that they get, which is really, really hectic. Like you read some of that stuff and it can get quite sketchy. So I can see the I can see sort of the good and bad in it, you know what I mean? I think it's sounds like a lot of pressure. I mean, there's obviously really great rewards to do this, but also a lot of pressure. And we're talking about the bands right now, but actually you mentioned before that they manage more than just bands. They manage TV stars and other celebrities. A couple of things is A, do they have the same type of scrutiny for every type of celebrity and do they feel the same or is it worse if you're in a band? And also if they manage other types of celebrities, are they that huge in television too? How many other big media outlets do they really have like a hold on? If we, okay, I think we might be getting a bit bigger in this sense, but management companies, entertainment companies as a whole are there to take care of their stars. SM, for example, has a ton of subsidiaries underneath it, which means they do production. So they do TV they have uh, like models with esteem. So even those models, for example, if they get really popular, they also get hyper-managed and, and everyone has to be watched at all times. And this sort of just became commonplace and something everyone picked up on. So even the other labels do the same thing. But like I mentioned before, just varying degrees. What's interesting with SM I've started to notice now is that they're letting their band members have more say and what they do or their concepts for example but like if you look at shiny and those kids or any of these people look they they're given names even like they're told to change their names from the beginning because they'll be like your name isn't celebrity sounding enough which we've heard before it's not like a complete surprise but it's little things like that like with nct he had a keynote speech the same way like homie from apple would do (laughs) he was just like i'm going to create the biggest band that ever banded and we're going to take over the world with 23 members and he did it so it's crazy 
With TV stars, it's similar to the bands, I guess. You would have your manager and so on and so forth. But the level of scrutiny, I think, is the same depending on how popular you are. So, for example, there's always a scandal brewing somewhere in the distance. For example, one year it was comedians that were caught, I guess they were gambling or something, and that caused quite a kerfuffle. So then they had to go up on TV, apologize. And basically when you're caught doing something wrong or if there's a scandal, you basically have to walk away from everything that you're doing. So if you are a lead cast on a TV show, you're off that show. They like wipe you out, like you're gone bye-bye. And you're taking a hiatus for like two years. So you'd be like, oh, I'm stepping away from my roles for the next two years and I'll be back later. I mean, that's like if people are nice to you and they welcome you back, that is. Well, that is all really interesting stuff. And I can't believe this is only like the first entertainment company we're covering. So I'm ready to move on to the next one. The second entertainment powerhouse is JYP, founded two years after SM by JY Park. And if you're curious, because I was, in 2019, it ranked $129 million in revenue uh, and netted $26 million. So not as much as SM, like way, actually, it sounds like they're getting in a lot less than SM, but they're actually making not that much of a difference. So they're only spending like $100 million on everything instead of $500 million. But it's definitely not too shabby because they're obviously bringing home the bacon. But what is JYP all about? JYP. If you're a fan of JYP, you know that JYP does that at the beginning of all of his tracks that he produces. Founded by Jin Young Park. JYP is essentially started by him because he was an artist himself. And from my understanding, he couldn't really find the representation that he wanted. So he was like, screw it. I'm going to do my own thing and start my own label. So this is a guy who really, really loves music. He's all about the music. And so he created his own thing. And then his first artist onto his label ended up being Rain or Pete, as he's called, who is this like this usher type of artist. So yeah, that's how JYP came to be. I know that SM, you said, was quite mainstream and it kind of felt that way. And I guess you could say JYP is a little quirkier. He's really into the music. I just feel personally that I've been gravitating a bit more to JYP groups and this label. So what exactly is their brand? I think they, it's like you said, they're the quirky ones. Again, my high school reference. These guys are the theater kids. You know what I mean? They're all jazz hands and tap shoes with a bit of swag. You know, JYP, again, he did a lot of, like, his learnings come from the States and what they do over there, you know, and he always wanted to, he wanted to build a business that was founded on hardcore music principles, that was present, that's always present and in people's subconscious, but he doesn't want to be in people's faces either. Like, he's not the type of guy for himself, actually, for him, he's quite, like, He's like that uncle that's kind of embarrassing at dinner. You know what I mean? Because he's always like dancing for some reason. I think at one point he was on stage for, I can't remember what song it was, but he had like see-through vinyl pants on. And he's like, you know what I mean? And you think about this, and this is like in the 90s. And he was like, it was just so odd. And it just makes sense. So all the, even the bands that he creates, they're quite quirky and, and a little bit different. I was really enjoying a lot of the music that was sent in the homework and check it out on the K-hole at askuni.com. I mean, Rain, I was blown away that you mentioned him already, but I was blown away. Amazing, just the dancing and it was very eyes wide shut. This video was theatrical, quirky. You could tell that it was really about the music and 
I guess the artistic details I noticed really coming through. And I have to say, is it G-O-D or is it God? It's G-O-D. Okay. Again, it's an acronym and I swear to God. (laughs) You swear to God. That's hilarious. Uh, So G-O-D. I'm not gonna lie. I uh, I I watched the video. It's very. It's like old. It was called Road, and I I think I might be in love. I was in love with this song. It was so, you know, just emotional, and it just like really hits your heartstrings. And I've learned, like you do, to put on the subtitles when you're lucky that they do have the lyrics come through. And I was really buying into these lyrics and. F- having that moment where you're like, I don't know, life is a long road and I don't know where I'm going, but I'm just going to keep on this journey. And I felt very connected to this song. And also one of the members is probably the most gorgeous man. <laughs> yeah. G.O.D. What was, what's crazy with them is it, it, you can clearly tell the American influence in that band and the, the boys to men vibes and the, the lead uh, in that group as well is actually like, is a hardcore American. He's like from Venice beach as well as well and he was just kind of like it's him his cousin who i think is the beautiful man that you're referring to and the rest of the squad and so they really brought r&b groove and that's what jyp is really into himself he loves that kind of sound that's why even with 2 2 p.m we've got that sort of r&b vibe with the boys jay park my my boy and then we have the more pop sounding stuff so like miss a which was like really poppy wonder girls and then you've got the intensity that's coming out of like Stray Kids. And then you've got the indie band that's day six. So yeah, that's a lot of stuff. I was checking out the Wonder Girls and I know that they were the first Korean band to hit Billboard, I think. And I found out that they they did their song in English. They did it in Korean, Mandarin and Japanese. So I feel like that's really quite unique business sense. You know, some artists, you know, maybe do do it one language, but they did four. And I think that actually probably helped them hit the billboard. And I also saw that Miss A is like Chinese and Korean. So I know that you had mentioned in SM that they're doing a lot of different countries and trying to hit different markets. To me, I felt like this was even more considered. That's the thing. It's almost like everyone picked up on the same vibrational points. Everyone was like, okay, this can actually be lucrative. And remember, these entertainment companies are funded by the government, right? So they're going up to the government. They're like, yo, can you subsidize us? Because we're about to take this global and make South Korea look bomb. So obviously, they're like, how are we going to do this? We're going to have a Chinese band member. We're going to have a Japanese band member. They're going to speak in all these languages. And these trainees also end up becoming really well-rounded specifically for that reason. So they can be imported. So literally, you'll have someone's talent be languages. And they'll sit there and they'll have to go to Chinese, like Mandarin school, Korean school, Japanese school, like language classes, English language classes. Sometimes they speak French. It almost becomes mandatory that you walk away with like baseline of at least three, like three languages, which is a bit crazy. And then that's also why foreign, um, foreign trainee, trainees end up becoming quite popular. So they'll go to the States and they'll have grab all the English speaking kids. And usually they'll have huge auditions in like Vancouver, Toronto, LA, New York for that reason. Same with Australia. A lot of these kids are from Australia, China, Japan, obviously. But yeah, it's like that. Got seven, for example, tie in there. It's so interesting because when you're kind of an outside in, you just think, okay, well, it's K-pop, but actually it they're they're international to start with. They're getting talent from all over the world and they're bringing it in. And that's why I think they're blowing up. It's huge. And I was looking at the, you know, YouTube views to like hundreds and hundreds 
of views, like hundreds of millions of views. And I was looking at the Itzy video and I think I'm in love with these girls for sure because they were just so positive. And I was thinking it's such a wannabe song. I was loving it. It was such a fun message to like be yourself. I just really fell for that. And that's the thing with JYP musicians. And I think what you're gravitating towards is like they're very big on being yourself, being authentic. So whereas SM, I think, is leans far more towards perfection and this idea of like super mainstream, squeaky pop music, JYP is more find the groove that suits you and be your best self at it. It's still a business at the end of the day, but I think the kids here have far more flexibility, especially now, to produce the music that they want, which is why you've got Stray Kids. They are a boy band, essentially, but their sound tends to lean towards more hip-hop, but then they've also got indie breaks in there, and then you've got Day 6, which is a full-on band band. Like, they're all musicians. And then you've got Twice, which is, like, they're super pop and clearly the moneymaker. So I think the formula for Twice, because they're the biggest band to come out of JYP, that kind of burst Itzy because he got the formula right. So now he's like, okay, this is working. I want to do more of this. Well, I really do get that vibe of Be Yourself. I mean, it's so interesting that you say that because that kind of helps make the connection of maybe why I'm leaning towards this a little bit more. And that's the type of personality and those type of messages that I gravitate to more. And I really was loving Stray Kids and they had such cool style and everyone's had a bit more of their individual looks. Um, And Got7, I mean, that's just fashion. Again, I just, the style, probably the most stylish guys I've ever seen. But we also had touched on some contract disputes at SM. So I'm wondering with this different type of approach, are they better in terms of the reputation of having good contracts? Well, I know that JYP is known for paying his people well. So, and he's also loves to brag about the office, like the actual building. Like when you go in, basically he starts funneling in oxygen from the moment you step into the building because there's like a fine dust problem in Korea, even down to the oxygen tanks in the rooms he's thought of because he wants to make it like a prime location for his people to be protected at all times so there's like an organic food cafe for example so he basically created this like biodome for him and his folks and he pays his people well and what else was there oh yeah legend has it all his trainees have to undergo like comprehensive sex education so they can avoid scandals which we'll touch on later But people think that idols are like cute and squeaky clean, but they also need to learn what to do and what not to do. That was a fun thing that I picked up. JYP, really interesting. Seems like a good blueprint for an entertainment company, at least that feels like the heart is in the right place. But I really want to get into the scandal. So let's move on to the next one. The third entertainment company we're going to cover is YG. They came up in 1996. So in the mid-90s, it seems like this was the time where all these big players got this idea, probably from SM, to start these big companies. And it was founded by Yang Hyun-suk, who was also himself an artist in a big hip-hop group in the 90s. And I watched one of his old performances. And again, it was that like hip hop vibe we were talking about earlier. It was like Long Beach, California in Seoul. It was so, so interesting because the crowd was going crazy. What can you tell me about him? Okay. So Yang Hyun-suk, it was essentially a member of Seo Teji and the boys. 
which guys go back and listen to their stuff. They're essentially the fathers of K-pop. They birthed it. It came to be by their hands and their baggy jeans. And obviously, they were leaning incredibly, incredibly heavily into hip-hop and R&B. Again, like we mentioned before, this is probably due to the influence of the basses in Seoul. And they were actually huge dancers. I think that the, there was a massive nightclub where all these kids and cats hung out. And so that's how essentially the band came to be. But they were actually really pushed against mainstream. We're like, what is this sound? Why are these kids dressed like this and dancing this way? They didn't get it. It wasn't until like really, really young people that were into them. But they're more famous now and people listen to their stuff more now, I think, than they did back then, if that makes sense. Because obviously you're going to rally against what you don't know. Definitely. I think that going back in time, seeing that, it would have been a real shock to the system especially for people who had not even been introduced to hip hop yet. I mean, it was pretty, it was kind of hardcore. I guess you would consider that type of hip hop was what you would call like hardcore stuff. It wasn't what you'd hear on the radio. So I can only imagine that it was, it was the kids who really were buying into this, but the grownups were probably thinking that like it's all ending and every like morals and everyone's taste is going down the tubes. Because you have to understand this band literally started the pop industry before this it was just traditional folk songs and you know that sense of reverie wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a joyful time to say the least and so i think them coming out with this music that's basically a not necessarily like a middle finger it wasn't like they were being disrespectful but they were just a voice of a generation that were like tired and pissed off and just didn't want to kind of go back to the old ways and wanted to break out and do something new, which is why obviously they were pushed away by the elders, but the kids grabbed onto them because they were like, what is this sound? They sound exactly like me. They're talking about my feelings. I want to be them. And so, yeah, they reigned essentially for, I think it was 92 to 96, I believe it was. I feel like this is definitely our our generation. I mean, we were we were still pretty young then, but this was when we were starting to build our musical tastes as well. So it's like they created this whole new generation and look at how far the industry has come now. It's actually so incredible to see. I know that YG has had some absolutely mega successful, huge, huge bands. And I kind of wanted to start with Big Bang because they've sold the most ridiculous amount of records, I think 150 million records worldwide, which puts them at the top of any boy band. I'd think they're the top, I would say top five, at least the top 10 best boy bands of all time. What are the artists like on this label? These guys are essentially like the really too cool for school kids. And I'm talking about they're in the back of the bus they're behind the school smoking the cigarettes and making out you know what i mean they're skipping class because they feel like it and you know again it's like the high school references you know but like you want to be their friend too you're scared of them but you, you want them to like you those are the yg cats and those are the bands under them so janushan i think that's how you say it, janushian janushan i know one guy's name's sean Anyway, so they were a hip-hop duo. And then you got Sketch Keys, Big Bang, obviously my favorites. They were huge. Too Many One. So they're all, like, they're really urban. You had Epic High, which is, like, backpack hip-hop, if you think about it. And then we've got our pop-ins, like, Winner, Icon, Blackpink, 
and now Treasure, the newest little baby boys that came onto the scene. And I see that size actually also on this label. And I know that he became an international mega superstar. That song went absolutely berserk. I can imagine this really helped the label. I mean, that was major international success. So that's the thing. Psy, when Psy was already big at the time, and so obviously him going global just made things so much bigger. And actually Psy left YG. Psy has a couple of scandals under his belt, but it's cute things. Like I think marijuana was one of them, but it's like adorable, you know? Um, so yeah, he and he was on that label and he left another sub label, I guess is black label, which is run by Teddy who is known as like essentially the hit maker for YG. He's like the final boss um, in a game. Like once you get to Teddy, you know, you've made it and you're going to debut. And and under his label, they've got Zion T, which to me is like a lyrical genius. Like I don't speak Korean, but even when his stuff is back translated, it's just so beautiful the way he sings. Yeah. I listened to that song um, from Zion T. It was about his father and he was going to this bridge. I was like getting really emotional. I could sense that he had so much soul, like honestly. And it's just his voice. His voice is like, like, honestly, if you guys ever just want to cry, just throw on some Zion T, grab a drink, have a seat and just shed those tears. Let it flow. Let his, let his smooth chocolatey vocals just carry you forth in your sad trip. No, I do recommend everyone doing that. But I just want to shift now to talk about some of the juicy details. Because YG has had a few scandalos. And some of them are like, quite major, like some of them, like you say, Tsai, like, okay, marijuana scandal, it's not that heavy. But I was reading up on the one that you're. I'm going to tee you up for now. You know the one I'm talking about. That sounded like actually very, very serious and very sinister. So this is the thing with YG and the scandals that these guys seem to do. It ranges anywhere from, like we said, like marijuana might not be a big deal for us. But like over there, it's a pretty big deal. And the thing is, it's like the way YG handles scandals as a label is very much a cut and run type thing they very much dispose of their band members like honestly if yg if hyunsuk does not like you you're gone bye so there's a very intense i don't want to swear but like no beeps given sort of sitch with these guys so obviously we're going to talk um touch really quickly on the burning sun scandal which essentially rocked the entire south korean music industry because Singuri, which was a member of Big Bang, was, you know, it all started in this one club and essentially just escalated to like drug abuse allegations, sex trade, money laundering, all kind like things just got messy. And I'm not going to go into it. They're, they're still, if I'm not mistaken, it's still going, they're still in trial with it. They're still, you know, dealing with it. Yeah, it was just a lot. And it's just one by one. And it's not only just the entertainment industry. There, there was policemen involved as well. So it was a huge like mega corruption problem as well. So this sounds like quite underworld-y. And you're mentioning police are involved. So are they going to trial with this? Like what happened to the artists in question that are involved in this scandal? So when news broke, Singri, as well as a few member uh, members from CN Blue, FTS Island, so there's a bunch of pop idols that were involved. And so they essentially were like, we will no longer be part of the entertainment industry. So they ended up retiring. 
YG ended up stepping down from his label along with his brother because he started YG label with his his brother. So they stepped down. He's essentially going to trial now, I believe. It's for sex trafficking or solicitation. Like, I don't know the super details. It's just a lot. And I think what made this the scandal that it was is Sungiri's actual like how well he penetrated the businesses, other businesses. The guy's into nanotechnology. He's got clubs. He's got vocal schools. So this guy was, he's got, you know, real estate companies. He's got, he's got a huge, huge food franchise. And so basically the reporter was just following this guy because she's like, there's no way this kid is polished and this popular. There's got to be something there. And so there was this other guy named Lee Jung-hyun, for example. So Lee Jung-hyun, Choi Jung-hyun, Jun Jung-young, all these cats were on a, a cacao chat, basically. It's like a WhatsApp chat. And they're sending these illicit videos of like women, you know, them having sex with women and the women not knowing. So all these things started to come out, and which is already a huge problem in Korea to begin with, all these like hidden cameras and that kind of thing called Wolka, which is basically like online distribution of like like sex videos and so that just exploded to the point where it got so big and the net got cast so wide that the president had to step in and be like make sure you investigate this properly because things started coming out like one pop idol guy you know coerced a police officer into covering his his drunk driving like things just started coming out of the woodworks and so then women started taking to the streets and like they were protesting and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I just got messy. And I was in Seoul when that kicked off, guys. And let me tell you, it was on the news 24 hours a day, seven days a week, like nonstop blaring. And you would just see Singurian guys like going in and out of the <laughs> with cuffs on. I shouldn't be laughing, but it was just terrifying. It's one of the biggest scandals like I could have, like I've heard of really, especially in such an industry that's supposed to be perfect. That's what makes it even a bigger scandal. And now that YG's not even running his own label anymore, his entertainment company because of the scandal, I did look up their financials, obviously, because, you know, after I started for the one, I had to know them all. And they made a lot of money. Still, this was, a, they didn't do last year. I guess they were too busy dealing with some other business, aka the scandal. So they didn't want to publish their their money. But essentially, they made like $429 million like in 2018. So that's loads, you know, that's right behind SM, like massive money. They only netted $32 million. So again, they're spending loads. But it's still pretty nice. YG, he was an artist himself, and he dealt with that life. But I did hear that he doesn't, like you said, he doesn't treat his artists well. I guess he also lets them go when at any sign of trouble. Is it true that he's not the best at taking care of his people? To be honest, I would be terrified of him. So I have to give these kids a whole lot of credit for going into YG and and perform, having to perform in front of him. I hear like he's just so intense and there's rumors that he's incredibly vicious. It's not even rumors. You can watch it. I'm sure if you go back and watch um, these K-pop shows where, you know, they're casting for new band members and stuff like that. His remarks, he's like Simon Cowell, like times like on level 1000 in terms of how mean he is and the way he treats his things. And the thing is too, like if he wants to destroy you, he will. It's not just like you're out of the label. He'll blackball you so you're never to be seen or heard from again. He tanked his own girl group right his own girl group because he fell in love with one of the members and ended up marrying her mind you his wife used to be a trainee 
at his own label, he kiboshed the band, like literally set them up for failure so that he can get them off the books and marry her. That's just like one of the nice things he's done. At least you're like, oh, that's kind of maybe romantic. I mean, I don't, I don't really find it romantic. And I'm only getting this from the English portals, you know, so there's only so much I can get from there. Like, I don't even know what they're saying on the Korean channels, if I'm being fair. These entertainment companies are so interesting from diving into the artists, seeing how big they are, how much reach they have and how much power they have. It's just so interesting and they have so much influence and obviously have made such an impact on culture in general. I noticed that we talked a lot about some of the big successful artists and bands, but I didn't notice BTS being on any of those labels. What's going on with them? That's because BTS is actually under big hit entertainment, which is now quickly rising up the ranks to be a serious, serious player in the industry. They own Playtis as well. Like now they've got the clout to start buying smaller labels. So essentially it was founded by Bang Hitmaker. Big Hit became a big hit because of BTS. So is Playtis just one of the record labels? Is that what is Playtis? Playtis is another smaller record label and it saw, I think, a ton of success in like the late 2000s um, because they had a girl group called After School and a unit under that called Orange Caramel. So they got really cute and they're very, very popular. And then they essentially went on hiatus, but then they also now have New West and they've got 17, that band that has 13 members all dancing around and they've got Priston. So like Playtis has some strong like musical contenders and essentially Big Hit saw them as, you know, a good subsidiary to go in and buy. And they did. They were like, you look yummy. You're making money. We take you. So it's just smart. But, the, the, but they still get to produce music their way, the Playtis way. Well, it's interesting because the founder of Big Hit, he came up with JYP, worked with him, worked with those artists, probably helped them become super successful. But it looks like the CEO, he's actually a billionaire. So after all of that, he comes up a bit later in the game and he's basically raking it in and is the richest of them all. And I want to say it's a combination of his production. It's a combination of obviously all the money he's making off of BTS because BTS is, If I wouldn't be surprised if they are the like raking in some serious cash alone, like the band members. Um, and also he's got lots of songwriting credits as well. And you make a lot of good money writing music. So it's all of that. And he's, you know, now big kids producing TV shows. So I think they're quite a tight ship. So I don't think they've got a ton of bands running right now. They're very consolidated. Everything's a tight ship. They have a new band and hyphen that's coming out. So it's like small movements like that. But I'm very interested to see where big hit goes. And are there any other contenders kind of creeping up behind the big three now potentially we'll call it the big four i love what's going on at size label p nation i first of all think like size like the cool older brother that's like really smart he's really funny he's a bit of a musical genius the guy has so much music that's not even out apparently apparently he's sitting on full-blown like music videos that he shot and paid for that cost hundreds of millions of dollars, probably, because his productions are always so crazy, that he's sitting on because he's such a perfectionist. So he doesn't want to release any of it. What's interesting about 
size label is he's basically got like the renegades of k-pop so you've got jesse who is this girl from new york and jersey she's kind of like the tough older sister vibe and she's like pretty hardcore rapper and singer and then he's got crush who's this r&b singer who's amazing he's also got hyuna who's this pop starlet that used to be i believe she was in cube i'm not if i'm not mistaken and then there's like label cube who's also notorious for having really terrible relationships with their members, but we'll get into that another day. So Hyunna was a solo artist in the Cube, and then you had her boyfriend, Don, that was a member of this boy band under Cube. And when they were outed as a couple, they were essentially thrown out of their agency. And so, which is fine, they're doing stupendously well because Hyunna, they're both superstars, so they were like, we'll we're not going to break up for you. We're going to leave together. So they were thrown out and they were the first ones signed to size label. So when news of their relationship broke, the kerfuffle it caused, because people are like, they're dating. They've been dating for two and a half years. What's going on? We didn't know idols could date. It just went, and then the way Cube was treating it, they were just like, chuck them. They were just like, bye, see you later. And they ended up being bigger than anything Q's put out in a while. Sorry, Q guys are not like my most favorite, but you know, there's that. Thank you for this amazing educational experience. I feel like much more knowledgeable and also I'm totally into this topic. I'm really excited to see what's coming up next week. So for next week's homework, we're going to talk about idols and what that means essentially is now that we've talked about the entertainment industries and what companies are, we figure why not start from the beginning? What is an idol? How do you become one? How do you get enrolled into an entertainment company? What talents do you need to become an idol? Can anyone off the street become one? So we're going to dig into that a little bit further next week. Thanks for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. You can also follow us on Instagram at askunni underscore podcast. That's A-S-K-U-N-N-I-E underscore podcast. And check out the K-Hole, which includes all of the content we discuss. You can find that on askunni.com. 